Dish Bites, discussing Milwaukee's culinary and restaurant culture. With Ann Christensen of Milwaukee Magazine and Tariq Moody of 88.9. This Bites is brought to you by Society Insurance. Welcome to This Bites, Milwaukee's premier culinary podcast. I'm your host, DJ Tariq, a.k.a. The Architect, and I'm with, as always, the very talented, the very lovely... Ann Christensen, dining critic for Milwaukee Magazine. That's welcome. Uh, we got a lot of things to cover this week, including uh, several new restaurants coming to Milwaukee or already here. We also have a review of one of uh, Milwaukee Film Festival's uh, food films that Ann went to, and she's going to talk about one of those films. Then we're also going to talk about a couple of events. Morzorka Fest, that really cool taco stand here in Walker's Point. They're celebrating one-year anniversary with a festival this weekend. And then Justin Carlisle's is hosting a kind of a taco brunch with Laughing Taco in a collaboration with a restaurant out of Mexico. And then finally, on the brunch tip, Black Sheep has an expanded expanded brunch menu. But we're going to get into it right now with some new restaurants. There's some new restaurants happening this fall. And can you uh, elaborate of what uh, that Milwaukee can get into? We uh, actually have a new pizza place in town, Tariq. Yes. It is in Whitefish Bay. It's called Trouble and Sons. Um, <clears throat> and and if you are unfamiliar with Trouble and Sons, like where did this idea, you know, what what is the story with this name? Okay, it's owned by the same- It's troubling. It's name. troubling, but it, it presents so many opportunities for great puns. <laughs> the owners also have a restaurant called Moxie, which is also on, on Silver Spring. Um, How dare they? Well, they have a lot of moxie. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, they, I, I they took a lot there. of moxie to jump on that restaurant. I helped you out in that one there. I, I know. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, but moxie is this, um, you know, kind of fun, sort of neighborhoody, um, rustic, new American restaurant, you know, where you can go in and get a nice piece of fish or a pasta. And the owners were really into this whole idea of branding, which, as we know, is really important for restaurants. Mm -hmm. And um, Trouble and Sons, I think it kind of presents this idea of, hmm, this is maybe not your average pizza place. It's a little bit edgy. Mm. Um, it's a little bit more fun, like a place to get a cocktail and kind of really hang out and, um, you know, not necessarily just get a pizza, slam it down and get the heck out of there. So this is their other kind of sun, as it were, their, their second restaurant. And, you know, with so many different pizza styles in town, you know, it's, it's kind of tough to do something new you know, in a city that is so known for its Milwaukee-style pizzas, as you know, Tariq, come on. I, I mean, we've talked about this. Yeah, I mean, Milwaukee-style. I love my thin cracker cracker crust pizza. I mm -hmm. like all styles of pizza, though. I love the the. Um, Except Chicago's is not a pizza; style. it's a casserole. Yeah, I don't. I don't yeah. really get the Chicago-style pizza. Um, these are are thin or a thicker hand-tossed crust. So you got two options here at, at Trouble and Sons, twelve and sixteen inches. And right now they're doing, you can either customize your own pizza, build it, you know, any way you want, mm -hmm. or they've got like, um, kind of their, their versions. Yeah, yeah. They do a margarita. They've got a sausage classic classic. They have one called the Moxie, which, uh, has, um, basil, pesto, shrimp, feta, and tomatoes. Mm. Um, they do a house special and theirs comes with prosciutto, mozzarella, micro basil, banana peppers, and onions. Question on prosciutto. Like certain people who do put prosciutto on pizza. Prosciutto. Either, prosciutto on yes. pizza. Either it's put on after it's cooked. Yeah. Or it's put on during cooking. Do you have a preference? I, I would prefer if it's 
if it's during the cooking process at all, at the very, very, very end. But you don't want it like just popped on no. at the end. And if you put it in the beginning, it gets really kind of a little too crispy. It gets a little, and, and yeah. The salt, it, can it gets burn really salty. Gets, yeah. Okay. I think it should be on there just a tiny bit, bit at the end. I just don't want to get it, a little heat. Yes. Because I don't want to, if I had it when someone just popped it in, it's just like this cold it's sensation. Cold. Like, what the, and kind of slimy. Yeah, yeah, you don't want that. Um, and other, okay, so it's other than the, the pizzas right now, they're doing salads and soups. They've got some appetizers, um, like a bruschetta, um, garlic bread, crisp pepperoni that they're doing. They're actually doing these kind of funny um, pepperoni cups where the pepperoni um, is kind of made into like a like a tulip shape okay. and it's filled with um, fresh mozzarella and basil. That's like an appetizer? Yeah, it's an appetizer. It was just kind of a fun idea. Oh. But over time, they're also going to probably bring some other items to the menu, maybe maybe some entrees. Right now, it's, it's pizzas and salads and appetizers. And they are open from 4 to 10 p.m. Tuesday through Sunday. And if you're familiar with the old Roman candle yes. on Silver Spring, mm. they're in that space. Oh. That's where Trouble and Sons is oh, located. Cool. Yeah. What's the next restaurant? Next restaurant is, uh, and this is interesting because, um, you know, it, it happens occasionally that a restaurant that starts out as a food truck just, you know, branches out and is able to open a brick I mean, and mortar restaurant. Like most of these, uh, or cafe. Food trucks, that's what they do. It's kind of a testing Sometimes ground. Sometimes it's the goal, it's right? It's a testing ground for, because, you know, open a brick and mortar restaurant nowadays yeah. is not a cheap venture. No. And it's a risky venture. Right. But it doesn't, it doesn't always, you don't always get to that point. Yeah. That's, you know, mm -hmm. it's, you, you really, not only are you out there, you know, pounding the pavement trying to test that theme, you got to be really successful mm. at it and find your audience, which is what I think Press Waffles has really done. Mm -hmm. They've been out, um doing farmers markets and special events for like the past three years mm -hmm. and have really developed a following for their Liege style kind waffles. Like that really kind of a, what's that sugar? It's uh, the um, Dutch sugar? It's it's a pearl sugar. Pearl it's sugar. pearl sugar. Okay. But it's really crunchy mm -hmm. and it when it when it's added to the the um, to the the waffle dough, it and then it's baked in that waffle iron. It gets this sort of caramelized yeah. texture on the outside, which makes it so Ooh. extra sweet and crispy, delicious. Mm. Now at, they also do. I mean, they don't just they can serve it naked, I suppose. Mm. You know, just your basic waffle or with powdered sugar. But what I love is when they do all these different toppings, and they do sweet and savory topping toppings. They're going to do all this stuff in their cafe location, which is set to open in early 2019 in the Marshall Building. Oh, cool. The Marshall Building is the corner of... Where Jing's is. Of Jing's? Buffalo, yeah. yeah of, exactly, of Buffalo and Water. And if you're familiar with the building, there used to be a little convenience store right when you walked into the door. That's where their cafe is going to be. Their kitchen is upstairs in the old tree bake shop. That's where they're going to be doing all the prep and the, the baking. Um, but they're going to have a larger menu than than just waffles. Okay. Um, they're going to be doing um, sandwiches on Rocket Baby Bread. So it's a, uh, a sandwiches, you know, for instance, um, they'll do a roasted tomato with Saxon Gouda, arugula, and, and garlic thyme oil. They've got an interesting one. This one made me think is of you. Is it sandwiches with the waffle or is it just regular No, sandwiches? with Rocket Baby Bread. Oh, right. Okay, yeah. that's right. Uh, and this this other sa sandwich made me think of you, Tariq. It's pastrami, pickled peaches, and cracked pepper mayo. Fruit? Sometimes fruit. Know, I'm like not a big on fruit and meat. Right, but it's pickled. So I really think that that hmm. could make it pretty interesting. interesting. Yeah. Um, on the side, you can get like a panzania salad, which is a bread salad. 
a dill and chive potato salad, or they're also going to have a rustic tomato soup. Um, those are going to be some of the items when they open the cafe. But you can also try this menu now um, because their trailer, which is this old vintage, really cool looking mm. trailer, they call it Trailer Jane. They're parking outside the Marshall Building, wherever they can find parking, essentially, um, between like 11 and 2 during the week. Um, so Tuesdays through Thursday, okay. sorry, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday between 11 and two, actually, I'm sorry, between 8 a.m. and 2, 2 p.m. But after 11 a.m. is when um, they're going to offer um, some of those sandwiches. But if you, if you find the truck right now, like between 8 and 2, they're doing the waffles that whole period of time. But after 11 a.m., they're doing the expanded menu. So the cafe is set to open in early 2019. They're also going to continue to be, they've got other trailers, their other setups, you know, that they're going to continue to do farmer's markets, including mm. the winter farmer's market, which um, is coming in a few weeks, actually, um, to the Dome's Annex. Mm. But this is just a great example of a food truck that's, it's going to stay a food truck, but also expand right, into a, a yeah a brick and mortar, and mortar spot. And you know, I I think I think it's also a really smart idea for them to expand their menu a little bit. Yeah, that's cool. Looking yeah. forward to that. Just around the corner from here. Uh, the final restaurant is um, another. Uh, <clears throat> uh, you're familiar with Chard. We've talked about Chard, mm -hmm. the Korean restaurant here that's opened up. Uh, not too long ago. They're expanding into uh, the east side in the old Yokohama place. And it's a place called Merge. And uh, it's kind of more, it's not going to be that, that kind of upscale as char. It's going to be kind of this kind of like gastro, Korean style, gastro grub kind of place, pub. Excuse me. And where they're going to have like probably Korean fried chicken wings. You, you know what Korean fried chicken is, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, what makes a difference is, is like the main difference is, other than like the, the coating, it is double fried, mm -hmm. which makes it crispy. And, and, and it, chard has the Korean yeah. fried wings. Mm -hmm. Do you like them? Yeah. Yeah. So I assume they're going to have some, probably those and probably multiple sauces to go along with them. They also have fried dumplings, uh, versus corn dogs. And people are like, why is a Korean restaurant doing corn dogs? Come to find out, Korean street food, they have their own version of a corn dog called a kogo. And it's uh, basically, instead of the typical batter you see in American style corn dogs, it's, it's covered in fried potatoes on the outside as the shell. And then they have like sauces on top, like maybe it's probably some mayo. And some fillings I've seen also include like mozzarella cheese inside of these corn dogs. And served on a stick, which served is going to make it kind of... Kind of difficult to eat. I don't know. Let's see. Like, no? The pictures look like I was looking at them. They look smaller than a traditional American-style corn dog. They look a little, little smaller, so maybe it will be easy to eat. I don't know. It's a street food in Korea, so it must yeah. be easy to, to consume while you're walking. really interesting to see how they pull those off. So, yeah, they're doing the corn dogs and have cocktails. It's a little bit more of a casual place than chard. Um, it's supposed to be opening up uh, hopefully later this year. It's near the Axe Bar. Yeah, Creek. near the next bar. So uh, the city of Milwaukee is set to review the tavern um, for early November opening. So that's very soon. So looking forward to that. And uh, I love me some Korean fried chicken. And they also do craft cocktails and other things. And again, restaurants called Merge, opening in, in the uh, former space of Yokohama on the east side. I believe that is Kenilworth. It's Kenilworth? That's, yeah, that is Kenilworth. Kenilworth and yeah. Prospect. Mm -hmm. Kenilworth and Prospect. That's correct. You know your streets. I do. Yeah. I know my east side. East side. You do the east side dance? Are you like a... 
I, I, I don't do any neighborhood oh. dances. <laughs> I don't do any dancing, period. <laughs> I have that, two left feet. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I can believe that. <laughs> See? Right? You've seen me walk. Uh, is that what you call it? <laughs> Nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and to Milwaukee. Visit RadioMilwaukee.org to check out our donor benefits and the thank you gifts you can get to show off your 88.9 pride. Now we're back. And uh, as you know, the Milwaukee Film Festival is going on right now. And as you know, there's a, a, the, there's a series of food films. We talked about it when they uh, announced the films a few weeks back. You went to one of the films. Can you uh, tell me what film you see and what you thought about it? Sure. Uh, so I, I love this time of year. I love seeing, I just love films in general. I'm, I, I was so excited when they started doing the film feast, which this year features six films. Um, and so far I've been able to get to, um, one of the ones that was very high on my list and Tariq earlier in when we found out what the, the films were going to be uh, this year, that was one of my goals was mm. to see this film. It's called The Heat, A Kitchen Revolution, and it's the it's heat a is on. right. Well, uh, this this film is about and focuses on women in kitchens, mm. women chefs, um, women not only who are um, chefs of restaurant kitchens, they might even own the restaurant mm. too. But these there's about seven women that are that that are um, part of this movie. It's a documentary. It's by a um, a Canadian uh, uh, filmmaker. So there's a couple of women who are in Toronto restaurants. Um, there's a couple in New York City. Um, there's a woman in France and there's a woman in England. Okay. Um, all of them are really different from each other. Um, but it it it's it definitely gets into this whole topic of of sexism, of of um, harassment, mm -hmm. of assault. Um, There's of, been a lot of talk about that, especially with the James Beard Award. Yeah, and like several chefs been accused of that. Exactly. Mario Batali, Mario Batali, John Bash, mm -hmm. uh, and you know all of these women, you know, touch on what it's like and the the challenges of being a woman in their industry. But what's really interesting. There's one woman that I, I, I mean, and all of them made really uh, excellent arguments for, um, you know, why they don't consider themselves victims or, you know, what, how they persevere in this industry and how they've been able to kind of tune out, I guess, some of the, the things about their industry mm. that, that are really negative, mm. you know? Um, I, Cause I think they don't necessarily want, you know, to be seen as, oh, you know, we're women chefs. Mm. We're chefs. It wouldn't be seen as chefs. We're chefs. Yeah. And so it really... I mean, there, there's something to say, but when you, you like, it's it's an honor, like, be, you know, leading a woman in an industry, but to be classified in reviews and whatnot. Yeah. It's like, a review, this woman chef is kind well, of... Well, be, be, because nobody says it's this male chef. Yeah. Nobody says that, mm -hmm. you know? And what's what's so interesting, there's there's a chef who, she was a, she's from Chile, um... And uh, she was the executive chef of a of a really like a, an old pub that used to be like a writer's like a, a writer's bar or something way back when. It's got a lot of history. It's called Chumleys. Okay, mm -hmm. it was kind of known as having this very like kind of conservative, very specific menu for like literary type people. So it had like a reputation. She went in there, you know, this this Latin woman in her thirties. Uh, just a very strong woman, very, very talented at what she did. 
um, had said, I've never made a burger before in a restaurant. She was doing all these things, these American style foods. But she like, she talked about how um, for her food was like the one lover that she never got tired of. <laughs> like, I mean, I think she's divorced, something like that. I mean, it's sort of like, this is that great that love. Feeling. This is that great love mm -hmm. that never um, is going to disappoint me, you know, is yeah. never going to stop loving me. Yeah. This is something, this is going to be here for me forever. And she talked about, um, you know, the irony of it being you know, considered, you know, unusual for women to be head chefs in a professional kitchen when, when that, we grow up, when we, we were growing up, who cooked for us? Yeah. Our mothers. I always thought about why, like, there must be a history. Did they talk about the history of why um, men it, become? It, it well, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a bit of, it's a very patriarchal society, mm. obviously. Women were not allowed in that professional mm. sphere of making money, of... Um, dominating. So women it. can do it for free, but not make yeah, money. Yeah, essentially, okay. essentially. You know, it was it was interesting too because there was one point. Um, there's a French, and I'm not going to think of her name, but there's this French chef. She was way before Julia Child, mm -hmm. and she won. She had six Michelin stars, wow. and she was kind of erased from history books because... Oh, they did a film on her. Because, yeah, yeah, because later on, a male French chef... It was at the film festival, I think. Yeah, it, yeah. And, and, and then the male French chef got six Michelin stars, and they said he's the first chef ever to win, to earn six Michelin mm. stars when, when actually this there was a woman yeah. before him. I remember that documentary, that. yeah. Um, but, it, you know, the women definitely talk frankly about, you know, yeah, being yelled at, being being objectified in a kitchen by a man, but they never let it stop them. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, um, some of them thought it, you know, that's part of the, that's, that's the way it is. It's, it's part, part of the, of the industry. Culture, yeah. It's part of the culture. And even admitted, yeah, I kind of give it back to them too, because they're giving it to me. I'm going to give it right back to mm -hmm. them. So you're going to, you know, it's, it's interesting. There's also a, a, there was a woman. I've heard that before. I mean, I've heard that in a lot of different industries, especially industries that are very social and very yeah. interactive. Yeah. I've heard that from women and like saying like, yeah, it's just part of the culture and I, I do the same thing, you know? And so, I mean, not yeah. just, it's not to be and justified or anything. You no, know, it's, 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 it's interesting. One of the, the chefs um, was the, uh, she had interned with Gordon Ramsay. I mean, Gordon Ramsay, British chef, Hell's Kitchen. Mm. He's known for being a tyrant, for being someone who would scream it's at nice people. <laughs> he would, he would call them names, really mm. bad names, mm. you know, really below the belt things. And she said she worked for him, apprenticed for him for years, became his partner. Then she went off on her own. And she says she just laughed when he would scream because she felt like, I don't know why you're doing this. It's not even effective. Mm -hmm. You're not getting people to do things differently when you treat mm -hmm. them like mm -hmm. that. So her her restaurants now, they don't speak to people like that. Mm. They also don't use, she said, you know, she doesn't mind if she's called by her first name is, is Liz, you know. Um, so don't go to the restaurant, hell restaurants, you, go, you have to call you the chef. You have to chef. go chef. chef. Yeah, she, she, they call them all, each other by their first names, you know. But, I mean, all of these women, it's very, very different for each mm. one. Like one, one of the chefs is Malaysian-American. There's, there's, um, there's a, a black um, Canadian chef. Um, there's a Chilean-American mm. chef. 
Um, so all of, and so they're women that are all really struggling to kind of find their way, some struggling more mm. than others. I just think, I think it's a really interesting conversation to be having. Um, I was going to mention though, there's a, one of the, ve the vegetarian chef um, who owns Dirt Candy in New oh, York yeah. City. Amanda Cohen, mm -hmm. she talks about, um, she blames the media that the, the, for the fact that women don't get enough exposure. Like she says, yeah, I mean, it's the same with Afro-Americans and women. It's like the media you want to cover. Right. You know. She thinks there, there are plenty of women mm -hmm. in, you know, working in kitchens and heading up kitchens. Nobody knows about it because the media isn't covering James Beard it. James Beard actually is a really, had an article is a really about that. Valid point. James yeah. Beard had an article about the, the the lack of diversity in food media alone. It's period. true. Yeah, it's so. true. You you pick up a food magazine and you've got the best chefs in America and like they're all men or there's a token woman in there, mm. you know, and there's there's no color diversity yeah. at all. Too, you mean, and that, that's a, a huge mm. problem. So, um, but you know, another point made, which is I think you know the the, the end result of this, because you, you think, well, okay, if there are all these problems, women, um, there's abuses, there's harassment, there's assaults taking place. How do you, you know, how do you stop this? I mean, you know, chefs have to kind of lead the way, don't you they're think? Probably, I mean, they, they, they have, have to lead the way, but also they just probably, I mean, a lot of them do go to culinary school. It needs to be part of the culinary school course track, you yeah. know, and like, interpersonal relationships should be a course required in culinary school. You know, like every year, like that should be part of it. It's like, it's an education because it's like you go into a culture, it's got to start with the youth yeah. coming in yeah, to like change. As I say, youth is the one that changes the next kind of the culture of something that's a problem. And then always, to me, I always believe that is knowledge and education. And since culinary school is kind of a lot of, well, a lot of people do go to culinary school, that should be a requirement every year of culinary school. Like you have to deal mm -hmm. with that. Yeah, you know? I think you're right. Mm -hmm. I think you're right because, I mean, and those are the sh the chefs that are coming up through the ranks, and those are the ones that are going to lead kitchens and decide how people are going to yeah. treat each other because that person's going to set the tone mm -hmm. for what is yeah. acceptable behavior in a kitchen, right? Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. I think it's a really important film. I hope it. I hope it's shown again. I mean, um, you know, I, I'm hoping some of the films in the film festival actually come back. Maybe yeah. they're shown at the Oriental or the Downer or well, something like that. Well, luckily, since the film festival owns it, you might get to see those film flavor film festival favorites to be played again yeah. after the festival. Yeah. So um, see it, Tariq. Yeah. I would say it's, it's a really it. it's a powerful film. Cool. Uh, next up is a couple of uh, uh, events. We're going to start with Mazorka. Uh, you're from Mazorka, the taco stand here on a uh, corner of First and Pittsburgh, Walker's Point. It's celebrating his one-year anniversary. Has it been a year? It's been a year. Feels like it's longer. I mean, it feels but I'm like old. it's been. Yeah, it feels like it's been longer. Yeah, but it's a year. Uh, they're going to celebrate with a, a fest, a harvest fest on uh, tomorrow, Saturday, October 27th, from 12 p.m. 8 p.m. at the location First and Pittsburgh, and uh, which is 209 South First Street. It's a, it's a free event, and it will highlight the successful harvest of Mazorka's one-year anniversary. They will bring musicians, visual artists, and other creatives and, and people around the community to celebrate what Mazorka's done. Because they, they believe in not just food, but believe in the culture and respecting the culture, which is what I kind of like. You know, they're best known for their freshly made tortillas. It's kind of a family operation. Um, besides tacos, of course, they're going to be uh, Mazorka toked 
Torcos, Torcas, Tortas. Uh, and I asked uh, uh, Mazorka, is this something just for the fest, or are you going to plan to put tortas on a menu? And they said, well, this is just for the fest for now. We might think about putting tortas on a menu. For those who are not on tortas, it's basically a kind of a sandwich, a Mexican-style sandwich mm-hmm. with lettuce and toppings and really tasty stuff. Really it's interesting It's kind of bread. like a, there's a specific kind of bun. Bread. Yeah, it's kind yeah. of a square, kind of rectangular kind of bread. And then there's also be sweets from a local company called Algo Dulce. And beer, of course, because what goes well with tacos other than beer in a, a city of Milwaukee, right? Um, so there's this coming Saturday, tomorrow, 12 to 8 p.m. So congratulations to more Mazorka. Uh, next is Justin Carlisle's uh, Laughing Taco is, celebra- is doing a brunch called Taco Maneros. And it's on uh, Sunday, this coming Sunday, 11 to 2, hosted by Laughing Taco. Uh, it's a collaboration with a restaurant out of Mexico by the name of Cometa, out of Monterrey, Mexico. So it's a taco brunch. I don't really have much. There will be uh, chicharron, esquite, barbacoa, machaca. I hope I'm doing this Do right. Do you know what machaca is? What is machaca? It's a it's dehydrated meat. Oh, like jerky. Kind but of. then it's off. It's often rehydrated. Okay. And then served, you know, like oh. in a taco or a, or a, a oh, or I've, a tortoise. I've, or I've had like that. that. I didn't even know what the name was. Yeah. Um, and other other delightful, tasteful treats as well. It's first come, first serve. While supplies last, is this summer Sunday? It's a brunch from eleven to two in a collaboration with this uh, restaurant out of Monterey, Mexico, called Cometa. And finally, black sheep. Yeah. What about Black Sheep and their brunch? They have they a brunch, another brunch tip. They have an expanded brunch menu, right? Yeah. I mean, I can barely keep up with all the brunches going on here. Yeah, you know, and that this city is like brunch crazy. Uh, yeah. So coming in November, they're adding some new items to their brunch menu. Um, so and, and this is really funny, too, because I feel like I'm seeing more and more croque madames. And yes, they're going to do... Um, they're saying a modern take on a croque madame. Uh, they're, they're adding su- southern fried chicken biscuits, a banana split, a banana split. That to sounds their appealing. I, that sounds like what? Appealing. <laughs> wow. Tariq. <laughs> Tariq rocks with his puns. Uh, but just to tell you some of the other items they, they already are doing on the brunch menu, uh, they're doing a breakfast chimichanga with chorizo, eggs, potatoes, and black beans, uh, chicken and waffles. Again, which, you know, do you remember when I, you'd see a menu and that would be like, chicken and waffles? What? Yeah. Somebody's doing chicken and waffles. Now everybody does everybody chicken and waffles. waffles. It's just, yeah. It's, it's old. Uh, it is. It is a little bit old. Uh, they have a black sheep burger, bagel and lox, which to me is like... The best thing you could ever have for breakfast. <laughs> I love bagels and lox. Uh, they do eggs benedict. Um, they do pancake battered cheese curds, which is a little a little bit of a, a twist on your average cheese curds. And they serve them with maple syrup. I've had that before somewhere. Okay. I'm, I'm not a, it did not appeal to me personally. Just I, maple syrup and... With with fried cheese curds, yeah, um, but it has a pancake batter, so you know where they're mm-hmm. going there with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a breakfast sandwich. They do steak and eggs, avocado toast. Uh, they have a, a breakfast sandwich with brioche bread and applewood smoked bacon and fried eggs, and of course, 
all the 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 booze you can drink. They do Bloody Marys, um, well, like bottomless kind of stuff. Anyway. Brew driver. They have something called a brew driver. So it's a blend of beer and vitamin C. Good lord. Oh, you know what's really um, good? They do mimosa table service. Yes, sorry. I didn't what? realize it. I was in Atlanta and I went to this place on the Belt Line, which is just it's cool. I forgot what it's called. It's a, place was excellent. I had this uh, hot chicken biscuit. The biscuit was amazing, but they had this cocktail. Um, probably people have had it. I probably never had it. It was basically a short Miller High Life and uh, freshly squeezed orange juice. I think people do it here, but I never had it till there, maybe because that's the, one of the things I want, could afford. And it was so refreshing. It was like a fresca. So this was beer and orange juice. Yeah, but Miller High Life. It, had, it couldn't be like a craft beer. It was very, it, it tastes like... Uh, fresca. That doesn't sound like, like the flavor of, like it tastes well, like fresca at like, all. Like my soda fresca, like a fresh soda. Oh, yeah. okay. Like it was really refreshing. Oh. It was really tasty. It's like, it almost tastes like a Rattler. Oh, yeah. yeah. I could see that. But okay. It, it, but it was freshly squeezed orange juice with Miller High Life. Hmm. So it was really tasty, speaking of that. Anyway. Um, well, that's it for this week's edition of This Bites. This Bites produced by Tyrone Miller. Handcrafted sonic inspiration comes from the License Lab with support from Society Insurance and, of course, your membership. Subscribe to this podcast at RadioMilwaukee.org, on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And as always, and stay hungry. And keep the malort cold. Yeah. Cold, like bitter cold. That's the only way to drink Malort, baby. Just ice mm. cold, a solid block of Malort ice. Malort and Malort and bourbon, hand in hand. (laughs) Again, Malort ice cubes, Tariq. You could make, you could just make some Malort ice cubes. That's not a bad idea. And then stick it in people's glasses. Oh my gosh! (laughs) Great idea. Thanks. (laughs) See ya. (laughs) See ya.